Well, most of my deals, we, we model them on five, seven and 10 year deals. And on, on any deal, even that one we flipped in two and a half years, we said, okay, what does this look like if we hold it for a full 10 years? Before we get into today's episode, I'll be on stage at the Deal Maker Live event in Dallas, Texas on July 25th, 6th and 7th. This event is going to be insane. Michael Blanc will be there. Hal Elrod will be there. Corey Peterson, Robert Helms. Are you kidding me? Adam Adams, Joe Fairless, Andrew Cushman, Matt Faircloth, David Zook, Brian Burke, Michael Becker, Reed Goosen, Stan Hanford, and Neil Bawa. It's going to be insane. I hope to see you there. Just go to dealmakerliveevent.com forward slash Adam to get an extra hundred bucks off and not to pay full price. Do the forward slash Adam. That link's in the show notes. So go ahead and go into the links and grab your tickets right now to Dallas. I'll see you on July 25th through 27th. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and we are with Ivan Barrett. Ivan has raised $60 million just from passive equity partners for the deals that he's closing and managing. Now, what I want to really get out of today's episode, what I want to really help the listener and the Facebook viewer learn from this is how to, do, how to actually raise $60 million, but by being incredibly intentional about your business, by doing specific things to get in front of your target audience. That's the part that most people are missing. If you're listening, you might be missing this part and you're about to learn something that will probably change your business forever. Ivan, tell us a little bit about how you got into multifamily real estate in the first place. Sure, Adam. Uh, before I just uh, jump in, though, I want to say thanks again for having me on the show, man. I've been looking forward to this uh, ever since uh, Valerie put it on my calendar. Uh, I've had this, this date circled, underlined. Uh, I always just enjoy talking to you, man. I wish we got to see each other more. Can't wait to see you in Denver uh, in a few months and at some, uh, some future events of yours as well. Excited to, uh, to uh, be invited to add some value, deliver some value today. Multifamily real estate for me, uh, that bug came pretty early in life. But of course, like most, you know, I started off thinking I would, I would just own 100 duplexes. My dad is an attorney, owned a bunch of rental property growing up. And my brother and I were his landscaping arm. Uh, he also had a brother that owned some commercial property. And then on my, uh, on my mom's side, I actually had an uncle that owned an, an apartment community as well. So a lot of early exposure to real estate. And, you know, I don't remember exactly what age I was, but I thought, gosh, why would anybody want a real job? You know, why wouldn't you just own a bunch of rental property, watch the rent checks come in and, uh, and, and be lazy and, and have fun? Of course, as you know, it, it turns out it, it is a real job, uh, but I, I do enjoy it. And uh, so after, after school, I uh, went to work for a real estate developer. At that time, I thought I wanted to be a developer, thought I wanted to build everything from the ground up, and uh, thought I was a pretty uh, talented, young, uh, smart guy that couldn't do anything uh, wrong, could make no mistakes, and learned a lot, but then 2008 came along and everything came crashing down and, and uh, literally went poof overnight. 
And so that for me uh, ended up being really one of my, excuse me, single greatest gifts uh, of my business career um, was having a front row seat to that, that uh, crash early and seeing the downside of the cycle. And so it forced me to hit the reset button. And that's when I decided to start a property management company uh, about 2010 and um, decided that would be my vehicle to scale a business and eventually get into large scale apartment communities. Okay. So in 2010, you started a part, uh, a management company. And when did you, when did you buy your very first asset above 50 units? Oh gosh. Uh, above 50 would have been 2014. Bought a 60 unit uh, deal in 2014. That was my first um, full blown uh, 506B syndication. How much did you raise on the first one? A little over 600,000. How easy was it? You know, that first one was pretty scary. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I thought it would be, uh, difficult. It was, it, it wasn't quite as difficult as I, I had thought, you know, getting, getting to that point, I'd already done a few deals. I'd had a couple of investors on some smaller assets. And so I parlayed that into a larger deal, but of course you're under a tight timeline and then getting, getting to the finish line, getting those funds in that's, that was always a, a bit of a nail biter. Uh, so at the time it seemed, it seemed really big and scary. And I just sort of had to uh, uh, swallow those, uh, you know, that, that lump in my throat and, uh, and go for it because I, I knew I had a deal. And now you've done about, I think the math would be like a hundred times that, right? You, you <laughs> ended up raising like a hundred times that 600,000. A lot of people look at that and they're like 600,000. That's, that's a crazy amount of money. Uh, you've done a, is it a hundred times? Am I using the math there right? I need to pull uh, I think you're close. Yeah, 60 million. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Uh, it, it's funny. Yeah, the, um, the next deal I did after that, I had to raise 1.1 million. And at the time, I was so stressed about raising a million dollars. I mean, that was like this, this un, unthinkable number. I was so stressed about raising a million dollars. I actually started getting like, uh, like hives around my eyes. And, and wow. you know, I was losing a lot of sleep. Just you know, wanting to make sure I didn't screw it up and, and, and got the, the deal over the finish line. And well, uh, tell me, tell me a bit more about yeah. about that deal, like the, about that one point one million dollars that you're raising. Um, besides having hives, which is something else to talk about, <laughs> but like, what did you find was easier than you expected, and what did you find that was way harder? than expected yeah so putting the putting the deal together actually um wasn't as hard as i thought it would be and this was my first hud deal on the first one i don't want to get too sidetracked with that but um you know getting uh getting through that that maze and getting all the financing on the debt side and the due diligence and everything um, that was pretty much as expected and what, what made the capital raise a little bit easier is that we ended up having more people that wanted to be in that, that first raise of 600 and change uh, that ended up not getting in. And so I would have these conversations a couple of weeks later and folks would say, Oh, what do you mean? I can't, I can't invest. And that was kind of a shock to them. Like, Oh no, we, we raised the money. We're, we're closed. 
And so those, those individuals uh, were very eager to do the next deal with me uh, once they realized that I, I did have more, uh, more eggs in my basket than I needed. Uh, so that, that definitely helped. Um, a great story. So one of my first partners, he's a partner in that, that million dollar deal. Uh, he went around town to everybody under the sun talking about real estate and wanting to invest. Uh, and, and asking questions, meeting with lots of people. And, and most uh, other guys I know that thought that he would, might be an investor said, oh, you know, forget that guy. He's just, he's just uh, spinning my wheels. Um, it's not worth it. It's not going anywhere. Um, that actually uh, was a three-year conversation to get him to invest with me. Mm. Uh, that's, that's how long it took to get his confidence uh, because I didn't stop following up. Um, pleasantly, I, I, I certainly didn't hound the guy, but I didn't stop staying in front of him, showing him what we were doing, why we're doing it, uh, working to be as transparent as I could. And um, that gentleman uh, still invests with me today. He's actually uh, a KP in a lot of my deals now. And I could call him up uh, today, tell him I had a deal, wire me a half a million, and he would do it without any questions asked. That's awesome. That's very gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's something that we need to really pull out. You know, that's one of the things that I think if you're, if you haven't yet done a syndication, okay. So somebody's listening, they've, they've not yet done this and, and they, they hear the hype, they hear how exciting it can be. They hear how it is so easy for Ivan Barrett to, to, you know, raise all these millions or even just call, make one call and have a half a million without even showing the deal yet, right? And, and it's like, they think that that's going to happen overnight. And that's unfortunate that they just think that's going to happen literally overnight because yeah. some people you can get in front of and talk to and they're willing to invest with you within a couple of weeks. But many people, and usually your biggest investors, want to vet you and, and, and follow you and watch you because they have the amount of money that they have not by accident, but by, again, being intentional, by Absolutely. like really spending the time to understand a market, understand a person, you know, an operator, and understand a, a business plan or a, a property inside and out. And then when they're ready, they, that, that they dive right in. And it took him three years. And it, that's something like that I think anyone listening can, can take into a can learn and say, you know what? It took, it took Ivan to get one of his biggest investors three years of, of, of cultivating this relationship and being in front of them and, and making sure that you, you stay in contact with this person in order to have that big, big player. And I know other in syndicators like you and me that have also had, you know, somebody who follows him for a long time. One of my bigger passive, passive investors listened to 60 of my podcast episodes. They learned, they learned who I was. They said, I like this guy. Wow. And then, and they found out that I had a podcast. I never heard from him, but until like three months later, he said, Hey, I've listened to 60 of your episodes. Now I want to invest. It's like, you just never know. So it's, you got to be playing the long game with everything in in this business this is a 30-year business at least and thinking about the the relationships that you build some of these properties take 
five years, six years, 10 years, four years to turn over. Uh, let me ask you, let me ask you, what's the shortest time you've ever uh, exited a property and what's the longest time so far that you've exited a property? Well, most of my deals, we, we model them on five, seven, and 10-year deals. And on, on any deal, even that one we flipped in two and a half years, we said, okay, what does this look like if we hold it for a full 10 years? And that's really what we show the investor. We say, hey, this is, we're, we're in this for 10 years, right? Now, of course, it might, it might uh, exit faster than that. But if you're not prepared to be in this thing for 10 years, or if you think you'll need the money back early, don't do the deal with me. And that goes into more about just being really transparent with your model, your thesis, how you're setting up your deals, and letting the investor decide if there's alignment with their portfolio. And it's, it's a great way to, to get um, some really good rapport early by, you know, not answering your, your own question first, right? What are my hold periods? What are, what, what's my thesis? What's my strategy before they tell you what they're looking for? Uh, it, it gains a lot of trust quickly when you just spill the beans on what you're looking to do first. And so they know you're, you're not necessarily pandering um, or um, tailoring your pitch to what you think they want to hear. I love it. All right. So I'm ready to transition this into the content that I really think is going to be incredibly valuable for any operator, any syndicator cool. out there. And what I want to talk about here is somebody who's raised $60 million, $60 million. <laughs> how, how have you been able to do that? Now, uh, what I want to get out of this and to show the person listening who wants to get there and to scale to owning a couple hundred million dollars of real estate by raising 60 million in equity, what do they have to do to get there? And some of it, I believe, comes with adding content, finding your avatar, knowing how to get in front of your avatar, knowing how to communicate with your avatar. And one of the other things is putting the right people in the right positions. And so, if you could talk briefly about your team and tell me who's on the team in the in sum it up super fast and then get into your role of being able to raise 60 million. Yeah, absolutely. And if and if you want me to go back in time to how I started raising money, I'm happy to go there too. But now, so the last couple of years is where I've raised the bulk of that capital. Um, probably 40 million or so in the last two years. And to to do that. I had to uh, graduate from just uh, a friends and family network, right? Um, there's a lot of money there. You can really tap that tower base, uh, excuse me, tap the power base uh, and, and really find a lot of money in your network, more than you, you'd ever imagine. But at some point, you, you need to expand that network. And that means getting online, getting more exposure, getting more attention from people that, that uh, are your would-be audience. Uh, so for me, the team is extremely important. And I started working with a coach on this a few years ago um, and basically being really ruthless with my own time, auditing my time um, and, and finding people that could do anything um, that, uh, that I'm not good at, finding people that can do things better or, uh, or also things that were no longer highest and best use of my time. So one of, the, one of the biggest movers for me was I partnered with a gentleman named Adam. Uh, I'm sure that's no coincidence. It's a talented group of individuals. A different Adam, by the way. A different, different Adam. Adam. Different yeah. Adam. His name is Adam Eretz. Uh, he's also an indie native. 
and, and um, he is the operating partner now for our company. And he is very talented at uh, finding deals, uh, working with brokers, uh, running the day-to-day -day operations of a management company, and managing some of our, our debt relationships. And so I had to get out of my own way and stop being a small-minded, control everything, I can do it better entrepreneur. I said, okay, Adam, here, this is what you're doing now. And, and, and it allowed me to spend more time doing what I do best, which is focusing on raising capital on the equity stack. And so I work really hard uh, to, to put more people in the right seat on the bus so I can spend more and more time uh, to that effect, to doing that, to fo being focused on that. And that's what's allowed me to, to raise larger and larger um, chunks of capital. All right. So you're, you found a way to, to systemize the business and put people in the right seats so that you can focus on raising capital. And that's exactly what I know we're going to learn from you is how you got to 60 million. You said 40 of the million, which just is incredible. 40 of the million just happened in the last two years. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about who is your target audience and how do you find your way to get in front of them that's that's a that's a long question how much time do we have no <laughs> uh so some of some of the best stuff is being on a podcast like yours adam and just in, in being out there being on stage um uh i'm also um almost done with uh with a book we're done with the first draft so having some some um uh credibility on that front um, a lot of social media content, um, being really intentional, like you said, about, about what kind of content I put out there and, and working hard to put out meaningful, transparent content. Again, it goes back to if I'm just sitting with you at a table, rather than try to get you to talk first, I typically will offer my, my target uh, prospect or my audience of one or many what my investment thesis is, what my company is doing, what we're focused on, our, our niche, right? And if I can do that, if I can be as transparent as possible, um, the investor, which comes in all shapes and sizes, can self-select if we're a fit. Because as you know, not every investor you necessarily would even want in your deal, right? Especially if they're short-term uh, minded and, and you're long-term minded, for example. And so then once you really get down that, that story, right. And that, that, um, that information, it's just about how do I get it out there to more people? How do I get it out on Facebook? Uh, which I'm coming to you for, uh, my link, my LinkedIn game is pretty good. That's, that's probably my strong suit right now. Uh, being, being a guest on podcasts, right. But I'm not going to sit here all day and, and, and contact Adam and, and Rod and everybody else and try to get on your podcast. I'm going to go out and get a virtual assistant and I'm going to say, Hey, your one job for me is get me on everybody's podcast. I like that a lot. So you, you first have to focus on who is the target client. Yeah. The, you know, your passive investor, and then you have to really figure out where they are and, and, and what they want to know. So, I feel like we've skipped a lot of that. I think I feel like we've we've we know that you're able to talk to people in person and yep. vet them out and see if they are. But are you being intentional about uh, who? How do you get in front of them? Uh, we talked about the book, but like, what's the title of the book? What are you What are you educating in that book? What are we writing about? 
Title's a work in progress, but it's probably something about, about basically um, being in any market, how, how, to, how to build a successful multifamily portfolio in, in any market. And it's really a primer or a manual uh, for high net worth investors to learn more about me, my thesis, uh, where I've come from and the mistakes I've made and, uh, and, and the team and the infrastructure that I've built and really our, our hypothesis on how to uh, build a fortress of wealth that uh, is indestructible and that generates cash flow and capital appreciation. Um, and, you know, the, the book, I, it's book one, right? So do I, do I expect book one to be a bestseller? No, but it's, it's part of the credibility piece. And I, I hope people read it. I put a lot of hard work into it. Uh, and I, I hope for that, that new uh, client or two that uh, would like to read a book before actually speaking with me, uh, they can do that. And then we spent a lot of time on IvanBarrettEducation.com, uh, which is an extension of the book. And that is where high net worth individuals can go and do the same thing learn about me, learn about syndication, how it works, typical fee structure, what goes into what a good deal looks like. So even if they never approach me about doing a deal, they'll leave that site being uh, a, hopefully a more educated investor than when they got there. And if I do that right, then I know there's gonna be a, a payoff down the road. How it actually comes back to me is always the, the fun mystery. But every time that I am open and authentic and transparent and deliver value to others, it comes back uh, with, with more X on it than, than what I put out there. That's, that's awesome. So tell me, tell me more about IvanBarrettEducation.com. Uh, did I say it right? IvanBarrettEducation.com or did I miss a word? Oh, no, you got it. You got it. Okay, it's, a long one. It's, a, it's a long one. The good news is if you Google me, you can find all that stuff because uh, it's, a, it's a unique spelling, uh, unique name. But the, the sole purpose of Ivan Baird Education for us was to provide a platform as we grow our audience and as I no longer have an efficient uh, use uh, or ability to sit with people one-on-one -on -one and explain what we do, now we've got a repository uh, of, of videos and more content to come where folks can search and learn at their leisure, 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 either one. Either one. <laughs> I think uh, it's, it's again, about, yeah, again, about, about us, who we are, our culture and, and, uh, and our investment pieces. I love it. Hey, we have a audience question that came in. Sweet. And, We're Facebook uh, live still, right? Yeah, we are Facebook live. And What's up, Facebook? Ashley Hernandez wants to know, Ivan, what advice would you give someone such as Ashley herself that is in the beginning phases of starting a property management business. You've started your own property management yeah. business years and years ago in 2010. Uh, what advice would you give somebody else who's trying to get into that right now? Yeah, the, the, uh, my top advice is, um, it, you know, I'm sure you're doing a lot on your own. I know I did. I wish I'd hired people faster. Um, I would have gone, uh, me, I would have hired a couple of virtual assistants to help with scheduling and marketing and returning um, resident inquiries. I would have uh, hired a full-time admin faster uh, and I would have started hiring um, assistant property managers until I can afford a, a full-time property manager. It depends a little bit if you're starting one to four family or if you're going right into multifamily. 
I think one to four family is a great place to start and learn and just grow your track record. Uh, Ashley, I applaud you for doing it because most people won't. And it's a, it, it, my other two words, don't quit. It does, it, it can get really tough at times and hard. And, and sometimes it doesn't see like, it doesn't seem like there's a, a payoff, but you, what you've got is the, the uh, uh, possibility of building this really solid foundation of reoccurring revenue, which allows you to continue to build a really strong team around you and then allows you to focus on your business superpower. It's definitely the path less taken going into property management, but I'm, I'm super excited for you. And uh, I just, I hope you stick with it and I hope you uh, don't have to learn a few mistakes I did along the way by, uh, by hiring sooner and uh, just, just put your head down and knuckle down. And again, I can't say this enough. Just don't quit. So Go Ivan, when you started your business, um, it feels like what you're saying is, is one of the mistakes that you made with your property management business 10 years ago is that you ended up trying to keep too much of it for yourself and you didn't hire out fast oh, enough? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it's, that, it's that typical solopreneur start where I'm doing everything myself and nobody can do it better than me and I, and I had issues giving some of that up. And so there were, there was a, a long time, I think I got up to 70 units before I had any help. And even when I had help, it was really hard for me to relinquish certain things. There were weekends where if my phone rang, I mean, my, my uh, heart rate would go through the roof and slowly <laughs> and surely I learned, right, to scale and get the right people around me and, and, and grow the company. And man, there were some really hard times, uh, but it made us, it made us who we are today. It made me who I am. And uh, again, it's, we've got this rock solid foundation now um, that this, uh, this company and the syndication side of the business is built on. Love it. Ashley says, thank you all in caps for all the amazing advice. She's been a property manager for seven years and she's absolutely ready to switch gears. Nice. So uh, you, you added a lot of value to her and to the rest of the listeners that are potentially thinking about doing that. I want to find out from you um, or talk a little bit more about actually when you said that you did um, 20, 20 million in several years by working with uh, your friends and your family. And then eventually you said, I need to graduate and start working with accredited investors and start getting in front of more people. And how that went from 20 million to 60 million in just the two years. So if, if you could kind of help us understand when, when we want to do something similar, how do we take and learn to, to absolutely get in front of accredited investors and not just friends and family? Sure. Well, I, I'm lucky in my case, uh, within my own network, a lot of people uh, were qualified uh, as accredited investors. So that, that's definitely a help. And I would, I would stress that uh, there's a lot of people in your network and people that you know that know others uh, that can help open doors. But in the beginning, um, it's almost like getting a new sales job, right? So I would get in front of anybody I could to make my pitch, right? And get my reps in. And so my goal was every week I would have um, um, eight encounters, right? I would take somebody out to lunch. Uh, quick note, never ever let anyone buy you lunch uh, when you're doing this fight for the check um, or coffee or breakfast. And I would just take out people in my network and tell them what, I'm, what I was doing. 
And, uh, and then the hard part is saying, hey, it, you know, who would you ask or who, who do you think I should sit with? Not, hey, do you know anybody that would invest with me? No. Hey, who should I sit down with next? Who should I talk to? Oh, uh, you know, I don't know anybody. And then, um, you know, you, you go back, well, if you did know somebody, who would it be, right? We've all heard that one. Uh, and, and really treating it like, you're, you're, um, like you would any other sales job. So if, if you haven't had a sales job and you don't have any sales experience, then that's one aspect you really have to work on. Whether you're gonna be a capital raiser or a property manager or a deal finder, all those different aspects of the team touch upon sales. It's, it's persuasion, it's getting somebody else to believe in you, to like you, to wanna help you. And it's absolutely mission, mission critical to this business. And as you get good at that, um, it's, it's like working out, right, Adam? The, the more you do it on a consistent basis, the, the better you become. Now, maybe you're not going to be a, a sales samurai like me, you know, one day. <laughs> uh, but there may, be, there may come a day when you need to sell me on why I should partner with you and why you should be, you know, my operating partner or my deal finder. And that's absolutely a, a, a sales pitch. So any entrepreneur out there that wants to go far in, in any business, in any space, whether it be syndication or widgets or something else, uh, sales is absolutely top of the mission critical list. And, you know, it's this funny thing. Um, if, as long as your audience um, keeps this to themselves, I'm, I'm happy to share it. Perfect. Let's do it. You get a few investors, you stay transparent, you treat them well. You do what you're going to say you're going to do, and they're going to tell others. You do the same thing with them. They're going to tell others. Referrals, uh, relationship referrals are still my number one source of new equity. I love that. I'm really grateful for you sharing that, and we will absolutely not share that with anyone else. All right, everybody. Keep it to yourselves. All right. So here's the next thing that I want to ask you. Um, well, how, how many investors do you have on your list right now? Do you have a ton and, or do you have just a few like really, really, really strong ones? So I have now uh, somewhere around 120 LPs. I think the average LP slug on a deal is 120,000. Uh, plenty of those investors are just investing 50. Some are investing a lot more, uh, but most are gonna be average right in that 120 range. Uh, and that continues to grow on every, uh, every new deal we do. And then my total database of um, uh, interested maybe investors is probably close to a thousand names. But really, um, the real meat of it is those, those 120 LPs. Then I would say the next column behind them are the um, you know, various stages of interest in, in our next project. And for the listener, that's uh, an important data point. And what's really great is that Ivan is right there in the window of every other successful syndicator that I've personally asked that question to. And it's almost exactly 10 to 15% of the people on their total database, about 10% usually, yeah. have invested in their deals. So if you, want to have a little bit of value right now, you think back, think forward on exactly how much you want to raise, how much you want per person. And then what you'll want to do is you want to be able to put about 10 to 15 times 
that amount on your database. So you, if you want to have 100 people, you want to be in front of 1,000 people and cultivating that list and you usually have about 10% of them in your deal. A couple of quick things, we're going we're gonna to wrap up. We've gotten a ton of value, but I want to point out a few of the things that, I, that we learned, that I learned. Uh, number one, I liked that you said that you get your reps in. I think that's really interesting and that's something that can't, we can all take from, right? If, if you're trying to you know, put people on the investor list and help people out and have these conversations, most people think ahead like, hey, how is that going to happen? But what Ivan said is like, you just got to get the reps in. Like we're talking about working out earlier. I, Ivan just got done doing a giant mud run. I've been trying to go to CrossFit lately, you know, stuff like that. And you have to exercise your sales. You have to get the reps in. So I, I really like that. Um, another piece of advice that you shared was never let anyone else buy you lunch. You have never. to fight over the check. It's, it's always going to be yours. And then another thing that I really learned from you, and I have not been implementing it, to be honest, but I will start doing it, is who else should I sit with? Who should I sit with next? That's awesome advice on helping to make sure that, that people know that you are being intentional. We keep using this word today. That you are being intentional about helping more people be able to invest passively helping more people to be able to get exposed to this asset class. And when you're, when you're actively saying, who should I sit with next, that really benefits you and them because they get to be the hero that connected you with somebody who's going to make uh, some good returns in the deals. Sure. And, then I, and then the, main, the last thing that I want to really uh, mention that I really learned from you is that you talked about it doesn't matter what you're in. It does not matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what role you're in within the industry. If you're finding deals, if you're finding money, it's all about sales. So let me ask you this. What is the best resource that you would find to be able to bid for the listener to be able to get better at sales? I've heard a lot of sales training over the years. I think the best sales training out there right now is Cardone University. Grant Cardone, start with his books. You can buy them cheap on Audible. Uh, but he's got a lot of great content on how to develop business and how to grow sales. Don't follow him on YouTube. That's just the surface stuff. Get a book and listen to it if you can't read it like, like me. I love that. Thank you so much. We, I really appreciate you coming on. And, you know, if you want to learn a little bit more about the in, inside of Ivan Barrett's business, like the team that he's built that has made this massively successful $100, $200 million portfolio, then what you need to do is you need to come to the Multifamily Partnership Summit. It's going to be in January. Ivan will be on stage really sharing, opening up, you know, behind the curtain to show how he's been able to be so successful by putting people in the right roles. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And until next time, my friend, think outside the box. See you soon, brother. I hope you got value out of today's episode. And before I let you go, if you did get a lot of value, please feel free to hop over to iTunes and let us know your thoughts and impressions. I love it when I get five-star ratings and reviews from our listeners. And so if, if you want to do that, I'd be super, super grateful. And as a reminder, I'll be on stage at the DealMaker Live event. If you want to go to dealmakerliveevent.com forward slash Adam, you actually save an extra hundred bucks. Who's going to be there? 
Well, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors will be there. Corey Peterson, Hal Elrod, Robert Helms, Adam Adams, that's that's me. Joe Fairless, Andrew Cushman, Matt Fairclough, Dave Zook, Brian Burke, Michael Becker, Reed Goosens, Dan Hanford, and Neil Bawa. It's going to be insane. I hope to see you there. Go to dealmakerliveevent.com forward slash Adam.